This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 232. So today is Sunday, March 13th, 2022. And as usual, I'm covering the latest news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites, Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. But first, I wanted to also remind you that today officially kicks off daylight savings time. So if you haven't done so already, go ahead and set your clocks ahead one hour. All right, let's head on over to Canon Rumors and see what they have for us this week. Let's do this! First up, Canon's roadmap includes 32 new lenses by 2026, according to Canon's CEO. Canon published its annual business outlook this morning. Statements attributed directly to Canon CEO Fujio Matahari indicate the firm expects to keep releasing lenses at the same pace, eight per year, according to Canon, for the next four years. Mitahari's comments in the notes of the presentation show a goal of becoming the number one mirrorless camera producer in the world. He stated that the camera market is bottoming out from a sales perspective, although from a unit perspective, there may continue to be a decline due to continued uh, attrition at the low end of the market. Increased profits are expected from squeezing more efficiencies in production and design efficiencies, perhaps like those seen with the reuse of super telephoto lens designs between models. New sales generators are expected in the PowerShot markets, where Canon releases new form factors and special use products such as the PowerShot Pick. Sales for these previous releases haven't been reported out separately. Interestingly, Metahari also emphasized that the new SPAD sensor that can see color in the dark will be mass-produced by the end of the calendar year. Expectations are that this will find a home in security and other special use rather than in prosumer applications. So interesting, it looks like Canon is going to maintain its blistering speed of eight new lenses per year, which is extremely exciting for Canon RF shooters. So there's definitely going to be a very robust Canon lens lineup for the RF mount by 2026. Next up, Canon patent application shutter that minimizes shutter shock. As discovered by Canon News, this is an interesting patent application. Shutter shock is a condition that mirrorless cameras are prone to if they have a mechanical shutter, especially if they also have IBIS or in-body image stabilization. Canon in this patent application talks about a floating shutter mechanism that would reduce or even eliminate shutter shock completely. A prior patent application may have worked. In patent application, an image pickup device that holds a shutter in a floating state so as to be movable only in the traveling direction of the shutter blade by using a spring and absorbs vibration due to the traveling of the shutter blade. However, Canon found that approach to be inaccurate and in this case describes a mechanism that uses electromagnets to move the shutter instead, which reduces the amount of vibration caused by the assembly. Thanks for the clarification. I'll blame it on 60 hours worth of jet lag still. That's just a personal note in the article. Granted, using an electronic shutter or global shutter can also completely remove shutter shock, but this may be an excellent interim solution. So definitely some intriguing information there. And uh, we'll have to uh, keep an eye on this story and see how things pan out for this new shutter shock, uh, lower shutter shock design. Next, Canon appears to plan 10% RF lens hike in Japan. A new PDF list of increased price uh, lens prices has been loaded onto the Canon Japan website, but has not yet been publicly linked. Digicaminfo.com reported on the find, attributed to a forum post it believes to be the usual person, a reference it previously used for the authorized, now defunct, Nokashita leak feed. The prices show increases of about 10% across the RF lens range. 
If this list were to become official tandem pricing, it should be noted that the Japanese yen has fallen about 7% over the past year versus the dollar. So this pricing could be, in part, an evening up of prices being charged elsewhere. So that's definitely intriguing. We'll also have to keep an eye on that one and see if the prices are going up considerably in Japan or if it's just to balance out the difference between the dollar and the yen. Next up, stock notice, refurbished Canon EF 400mm F2.8 LIS-3 and Canon EF 600mm F4 LIS-3. The Canon USA store has stock of refurbished Canon EF 400 and 600mm ISL Mark III lenses. There is a decent amount of savings to be had here, and these lenses work great on the RF mount cameras with the adapters. You can get the 400mm f2.8 LISUSM Mark III for $10,799, and the 600mm is $11,699. So if you got the, the equivalent money to burn that you'd spend on a decent car, you can own one of those lenses. And last up from Canon Rumors for this week, Canon to launch two flexible sin zooms in April. A reliable source indicates Canon will launch two very bright cinema EOS lenses featuring a T-stop of 2.0. The wider lens will start from between 14 and 20 millimeter and top out somewhere between 40 and 60 millimeters. The longer lens will start between 30 and 45 and extend to 80 to 90 millimeters. The lenses are natively designed for the Super 35 sensor size, but will be available to use an enlarging converter mount on the camera end of the lens that will convert it to a full-frame T2.8 zoom. The lenses appear to be replacements for the existing CN 15.5 to 47 millimeters and the CN 30 to 105 millimeter lenses, which are similar but unable to cover a full-frame sensor. The lenses will reportedly become available in both EF and PL mount. So that's going to wrap up all of Canon rumors for this week. And now we'll head on over to Nikon rumors and see what they have for us. First up, new Nikon Z72 and Z62 kits with the Nikkor 24 to 120 millimeter F4S lens now also available in Hong Kong. In addition to India, the new kits with the Nikon Nikkor Z24 120mm f4s lens are now available in Hong Kong. The price in Hong Kong is 32,850 uh, and th- uh, 24,850 respectively. Now that's in Hong Kong dollars. The price is good news for people who want to upgrade to the Z72 or Z62 but bad news for readers who are still waiting on the 24-120 to f4 lens. It has been out of stock since it was officially announced in October of last year. Check out the Nikkor 24-120 f4s lens pricing and availability at Adorama, B&H, Amazon, Wex, Calumet, Photo Earnhardt, and Camera Canada. So, interesting, these two new kits are now available in Hong Kong. Next up, reminder, Nikon price increases coming in Europe on April 1st. Canon, Leica, TT Artisan, and today Tokina and Zeiss announced new price increases for their products. This is also a reminder that Nikon also announced a new price increase coming to Northern Europe on April 1st. My guess is that all those price increases will slowly propagate also to other countries. Check Nikon's prices and availability at one of our European sponsors, Amazon UK, Amazon DE, Calumet NL, Calumet DE, Photo Earnhardt DE, Photo Koch DE, Park Camera UK, and Wex UK. So not surprising that so many of these companies are increasing the prices on their lenses. As you know, we've talked about it before here on the show, with the current supply chain and logistics shortages and issues worldwide. It's kind of forcing the hands of all lens manufacturers. They can't produce nearly as many lenses due to semiconductor shortages and so on and so forth. So it makes sense that they're going to increase the price per unit so that they can make profit that way for the time being. Next up, Capture One Pro 22 is now 30% off ending soon, plus 2022 Capture One Roadmap Development Outlook. The latest version is currently 30% off at B&H Photo. 
uh, which makes the price two oh nine and thirty cents instead of its normal price of two ninety nine even. The roadmap and development outlook can be found at the accompanying link. Capture One Pro for desktop, being on the laptop or desktop is a home base for many with the comforts of having all tools at your disposal. In our mission to create a full circle of imaging across multiple devices, we are continually working to perfect the capabilities of Capture One Pro, including increased workflow efficiency, a smoother user experience, personal onboarding for new users, and even better raw conversion, while keeping our tethering the fastest. Capture One Beta version 15.2 is now live. On the Capture One Live front, part of our vision, including enabling smoother remote collaboration with clients and teams around the world, Capture One Live makes it possible to share images straight from your photo shoot in real time to any device, making it easier for those in your creative community to play a part in shaping the final results. Capture One for iPad, coming soon in 2022. Being able to edit and export on the go is a crucial piece of our plan, bringing a much more flexible workflow right to your hands. Having Capture One's superb image processing and select editing tools out on location or in transit will give more freedom to when and where you can start your post-processing processing. Capture One for iPad beta tracking for April 2022. Capture One for iPhone. Adding to your choice of devices for a smooth on-the-go workflow, bringing Capture One to iPhone will add another element to the full circle of flexibility and freedom across platforms. Update, here is a sneak peek of the Capture One for iPad. Filter, edit, and export on the go. Step away from your desk and take your workflow on the go. Make image selects, apply adjustments, and export your final photos to clients or teams on the web. Start on the road and finish at home. Start post-processing on your way home from a shoot or while out on location and then pick up where you left off on Capture One Pro desktop with all of your edits synced. Superb image quality no matter where you are. Capture One Pro's renowned image quality and color rendering comes in more portable package, letting you bring the full power of our RAW converter anywhere you go. Tethered shooting. With a USB-C port and future iPads, photographers will be able to shoot tethered directly into Capture One. Working on location is made even easier with a larger screen to view images in a moment or to pass around quickly while shooting in a studio. Layers and masks. Use an iPad pencil or simply swipe with your fingers to draw masks and create layers, just like in Capture One Pro on the desktop. You'll be able to create more complex, precise masks in addition to linear and circular gradients and luminosity masking. Improved cloud capabilities. In our first release of Capture One for iPad, file transferring can only be done from the iPad to Capture One Pro on the desktop. Our plan is to let you transfer files both ways so you can start and pick up your work from either device. On top of that, we want to evolve into a full synchronization service letting you access your images on any device and always updating edits made from any platform in real time. And that story comes from photo rumors. So that's definitely some intriguing news. And I've been hearing, uh, you know, I've talked about it before on the show. We've been hearing about a Capture One for the iPad for quite a while now. And it's going to be fantastic when it finally becomes available sometime this year. Hopefully in April, but we'll have to wait and see. Um, as I've mentioned before on the show, I dumped Adobe and I've gone to completely capture One Pro 22 myself. And the main reason is because I'm shooting all Fuji cameras now. As you know, I recently switched from Canon RF to Fuji X series, and I already had the GFX 50R. And in my opinion, although Lightroom has made major advancements, Capture One, in my opinion, is just still much better at processing Fujifilm RAW files. So I am going to stick with Capture One. And in my opinion, it's also a lot faster than Lightroom. Lightroom seems to take a little bit longer loading my uh, quote-unquote catalogs than Capture One does. I can have the same number of photos in both software when I had Lightroom. And Capture One would always load, oof, probably four or five times faster than Lightroom would. And that was even with the Lightroom catalog optimized. Didn't seem to help a whole lot. Next up, Nikon D500 firmware update version 1.31 released. This is uh, the 
DSLR, the D500, is already officially discontinued, but today Nikon released another firmware update for the model. This version of the firmware of 1.31 fixed an issue that would, when pictures were taken with a flash unit attached, sometimes result in the flash not performing in accordance with the value selected for ISO sensitivity settings, maximum sensitivity with flash after either of the following operations. One, loading settings with save load settings, load settings, switching photo shooting menu banks using photo shooting menu bank. Note, performing a firmware update while the camera is affected by this issue will not in itself correct the problem. After performing the update, you will need to either reset all settings, use some reset all settings, uh, load previously saved settings if available from the memory card using save and load settings section. Amazon still has a few Nikon D500 listings, mainly gray market and refurbished, so... Even though the camera's been discontinued, Nikon is good enough to still give you a firmware update to fix a couple of glitches there. Next up, two new cinema lenses for Nikon Z-mount announced. More and more third-party manufacturers started releasing mirrorless lenses for the Nikon Z-mount. Two new cinema lenses were announced yesterday. Now, this is from March 9th. The Laowa 7.5mm T2.90D S35 cinema lens and the Ciro 75mm T2.9 uh, 1.6 times full frame anamorphic lens for the Nikon Z mount. Ciro already has three other anamorphic lenses for the Nikon Z mount. Irix is also has also several cinema lenses for the Z-mount, so it looks like there are still more and more cinema lenses becoming available for the Nikon Z-mount, which is a good thing. I mean, mirrorless is the way. That's how things are right now. Everything is mirrorless. Everything's going forward is mirrorless, so it just makes sense for all of these companies to jump on the mirrorless lens mount bandwagon. Next up, new IRIX 21mm f1.4 full-frame DSLR lens for the Nikon F-mount. The full-frame IRIX 21mm T1.5 cinema lens that was announced last month is now followed by a version dedicated for photographers. Today, IRIX announced a new 21mm f1.4 full-frame DSLR lens for the Nikon F-mount. Pre-orders should be open soon at Adorama, B&H, and the official IRIX USA store. Here are the details for the lens. Main features, fast aperture of f1.4, ultra-wide angle focal length for the 89.7 degree field of view. Unrivaled optical quality, distortion below 2%, internal focusing, sealed design, aperture control via camera, in-camera focus confirmation, compatible with PSAM semi-automatic modes, full EIX data, uh, EXIF data, sorry, focus lock function, 140-degree rotation angle for the focus ring, and reinforced internal structure. Additional information, including technical specifications and sample photos, can be found in the accompanying link to this article, which you can find in today's show notes. Next up, Adorama and B&H are still shipping Nikon Z9 cameras that were ordered on the day of the announcement. I received several tips from readers that even now, in mid-March, Adorama and B&H are still shipping Nikon Z9 cameras that were ordered on the day of the announcement, which was October 28, 2021. Some unconfirmed reports suggest that the big stores have several thousand Z9 pre-orders. Amazon removed once again their Z9 listing. I think this indicates that they will also be sold out for a while. The listing was available just last week. Basically, nothing has changed since my last report a month ago. And the Nikon Z9 can be pre-ordered at Adorama, B&H, Amazon, Pulse Photo, and Service Photo in the U.S., in Europe at Calumet NL, Calumet DE, Photo Earnhardt DE, Photo Koch DE, and Wex UK, and in Canada at Camera Canada. So it looks like B&H and Adorama are still busy trying to fill those announcement day pre-orders. Next up, the new Yongnu YN85mm F1.8Z DF-DSM lens for the Nikon Z-mount is expected to be officially announced tomorrow. Now, this story was from March 10th. 
The new lens is expected to be officially announced on March 11th. There are some interesting photos of the lens, as well as some sample images taken with it. In the U.S., young new lenses are sold at Adorama, B&H, and Amazon. And this is an interesting-looking lens. It looks like a very smart design. Uh, very sleek, and Yongnu has come a long way in the last few years with their lens designs. Uh, I remember for the longest time, they were just basically ripping off Canon and Nikon lenses. Their lenses would be exact copies of Canon and Nikon lenses, and now they're starting to come out with some really cool designs of their own, so I say, hey, good for them. Keep up the work. Next up, announced the Yongnu Lion 85mm. For the Z mount. This is from March 11th. As previously reported, Yongnu announced on social media additional information on the new YN 85mm F1.8 Z DF DSM lens for the Nikon Z mount. Format is 35mm full frame. Mount is Nikon Z mount. Focal length is 85mm. Aperture value F1.8 to F16. Aperture blade, seven pieces. Lens configuration, nine elements and eight groups. Shortest shooting distance is 0.8 meters. Maximum shooting magnification is 0.13 times. Filter diameter is 58 millimeters. The size is 68 by 89 millimeters. Weight is 405 grams. It is dust proof and drip proof. Uh, let's see, I don't know why that's written twice. AF is a stepping motor system, image stabilization, other functions, USB-C port for firmware updates a function button, AF MS selector switch, and in the Yang, uh, U.S. Yongnu lenses are sold at Adorama, B&H, and Amazon. And there are also some photos of the lens, close-ups, and you can also watch the announcement video on the official Yongnu channel on YouTube if you so desire. And last from Nikon rumors for this week, photographing the Horsetail Fall in Yosemite National Park. Uh, this is definitely interesting, and I, I've heard about this for a long time. This is one of the most popular places in the world for photographers to congregate because at the right time of year, the, as the sun's setting, it hits the waterfall in such a way that it actually makes the water look like molten lava, which is pretty darn cool. Now, it says here, for many years, I've desired to visit Yosemite National Park to photograph the nat natural firefall. No, these aren't the lava spewing, heat dispensing falls of fire like the ones in the LOTR movies or Lord of the Rings movies. Rather, for a few days in February, the sun's angle is such that it lights up Horsetail Fall in Yosemite National Park as if it were on fire. This is a really spectacular sight and one that I have been fortunate enough to photograph many times over the years. This fall was made famous by Galen Rowell through his photograph, Last Light on Horsetail Fall. Since then, throngs of photographers descend upon Yosemite during the month of February to capture this natural wonder. This event happens twice a year, in October and in February. During October, the fall is dry, and hence one cannot see the event. There are exceptions, though. In October 2021, a rainstorm led to the fall flowing during the peak event window, and the fireball or firefall came to life for a day in the park. Even in February, a few conditions have to be met before one can see this beautiful phenomenon. There should be sufficient snowmelt for the fall to flow, and the sun should not be obstructed by clouds around sunset when this phenomenon generally takes place. During this window in February, as the evening sets in and the sun goes down, the light falling on El Capitan assumes a rich golden color. As the sun nears the horizon, the light falling on either side of the fall gets narrower and narrower until the light is focused just on the fall, giving the illusion that the fall is on fire. Like I said, it basically makes it look like molten lava. So it's a pretty cool phenomenon. I would love to get there someday so that I could photograph it myself. But I know from stories I've heard from other photographers that have done it, it's really hard to get into a good spot to photograph it because it is such a popular phenomenon for photographers. All right, I'm going to take a break right here, and then we'll head on over to Fuji Rumors to see what Patrick has for us for this week. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. 
If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. All right, so now we're going to head on over to Fuji Rumors, see what Patrick has for us for this week. He's got quite a few stories, so we should get a lot of new and interesting news and rumor information. First up, Fujifilm GFX Roundup. Don't call GFX 50S Mark II cheap. GFX 50S II versus GFX 100S. 100S GF 80 millimeter f 1.7 and the GF 35 to 70 reviews medium format versus Sony APS-C and more. It's high time to catch up with a massive Fujifilm GFX roundup. We will mostly cover the Fujifilm GFX 100S, the 50S2, the GF 35 to 70, and the GF 80 millimeter 1.7. But there is also much more from unfair comparisons of APS-C versus medium format to technical tests by Jim Kasson and more. The Fujifilm GFX 100S can be ordered at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, Focus Camera, and Moment. The Fujinon GF 80mm f1.7 at the same retailers. The GFX 50S2 at the same retailers. And let's see here, uh, the GF 35-70, f4.5-5.6 at the same retailers. GFX Gear Roundup, uh, buy within April 13th and submit your claim by May 3rd on the GF 30mm uh, f3.5, save $300 at uh, B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. On the GF 50mm f3.5, save $200 at the same three retailers. The GF 63mm f2.8, save $300. The GF 32-64mm f4, save $500. And the GFX 50R, save $1,500, instant rebate, no cash back at the same three retailers plus moment. On the GFX Roundup, GFX cameras, you can find information on blog.kasan on the GFX 100S pixel shift dynamic range. He also has an article on pulling high ISO GFX 50X images in Lightroom Classic. Uh, I don't know why it says GFX 50X, but on the 5050 Travelog, Fujifilm GFX 50S Mark II review, digital camera world upgrading for full frame to medium format, which you need to know, and so on and so forth. So a lot of great information here, and there's a lot of great articles. There's also some YouTube videos that you can watch on the GFX cameras and lenses. So all of those can be found in the show notes, and you can check them out for yourself at your leisure. Next up, new firmware for the Fringer EF GFX, EF FX, and NF FX Smart AF adapters released. Fringer has released firmware updates for several of their Fringer AF adapters. Down below, you can find all the full details and download links. Fringer adapters can be ordered at BH Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. Uh, that is the Fringer Nikon F to Fuji X Smart. AF adapter, the Fringer EF to GFX Pro Smart AF adapter, the Fringer EF to FX2 Smart AF adapter, and the Fringer EX FX Pro 2 Smart AF adapter. The firmware updates are version 1.20, which can be downloaded at the accompanying link for the EF to GFX uh, adapter. One, fixed AF performance issues for some lenses of the following models. Lens didn't get recognized by the adapter due to different lens versions. The Canon EF 400mm F5.6L USM, the Sigma 14mm F1.8 DGHSM A017. Two, added the following lenses to the tested and optimized lens list. The Canon EF 200mm F1.8 LUSM, the Canon EF 200mm F1.8 LUSM plus the 1.4 times tele-extender and the, uh, the 2 times tele-extender. The Sigma APO Macro 180mm uh, F2.8 EX DG OS HSM Alphabet Soup plus with the 1.4 times extender. 
the Sigma 50mm F1.4 EXDG HSM, and the Tokina Opera 50mm F1.4 FF. Three issue fixed lens names recorded in the EXIF data for the following lenses are not accurate. The Canon TSE 90mm F2.8. Four contrast AF issues fixed for some of the Sigma 70-2.8 art lenses to apply the patch, edit settings I and I on the adapter, and change the value of Sigma 70 art fixed equals from 0 to 1. Note there are two versions of the Sigma 70mm 2.8 art in the market. One of them doesn't work properly on the GFX 50S, the 50R, and the 50S2 cameras with severe focus shifting and focus hunting problems. The other version works normally. The two versions can't be identified by the appearance of the lens, thus please turn on the patch only if you encounter that said issue or it may cause other problems. For the EFX Pro 2, a version 2.20 firmware can be downloaded at the accompanying link. One added the following lenses to tested and optimized list, the EF 400mm F4L, and with the 1.4 and two, uh, uh, the 1.4 extender, excuse me, the EF 85mm F1.2L, the EF 200mm F1.8L USM, and that lens with both the 1.4 and the 2 times tele extender. The Sigma APO Macro 180mm F2.8 EXDG OS HSM Soup and with the 1.4 tele extender on it. Also the Takina Opera 50mm F1.4 FF. Fixed compatibility issues with some of the Sigma 50mm EXDG HSM lenses. Fixed PDAF issues for some of the lenses of the following models. Lens didn't get recognized by the adapter due to different lens firmware versions. And that's on the Sigma 14mm F1.8 DG HSM A017. For the Fringer NF to FX firmware version 1.60, fixed PDAF issues for some lenses with the following models. Lens didn't get recognized by the adapter due to different lens versions. The Sigma 17 to 50 F2.8 EX DC OS HSM. Two added the following lenses to the tested and optimized lens list. The AFS DX Nikkor 18 to 200 millimeter F35 to 5.6 G ED VR and and the Sigma 105mm F2.8 EXDG OS HSM Alphabet Suit Macro. Bug fix sometimes in the diagram, uh, oh, diaphragm, I'm sorry, of the Tamron SP 85mm F1.8 DIBC USD F016 may stay in the minimum position. Four fixed compatibility issues with the Zeiss F mount lenses, the ZF and the ZF.2. Uh, so, wow, a lot of stuff to cover there and a lot of firmware updates that have been released by Fringer for their AF adapters. Next up, Lala 7.5mm T2.9 0D S35 Cinema Lens. And I talked about this in a previous segment. Uh, Venus Optics just announced this lens. You can find all the details on the dedicated page at the accompanying link. The main specs and product launch videos, focal length 7.5 millimeters, format Super 35 Cinema, mounts Sony E, Canon RF, Nikon Z, and Fuji X, angle of view on 123 degrees, T-stop is T2.9 to 22, optics 16 elements in 10 groups, aperture blade 7, Minimum focusing distance is 25 centimeters. Filter diameter is 77 millimeters. Dimensions 80 by 80.7 millimeters with a weight of 610 grams. And you can also watch the accompanying official Lawa videos on their YouTube channel. And you can check that lens out for yourself. Next up, DP Review TV Sigma X mount lenses better than Fujifilm Primes. When Sigma launched their new Fujifilm X-Mount Trinity, we had a huge live blog here on Fuji Rumors where we could see that these are very fine lenses. Down below, a summary in case you're in a hurry and can't watch the video right now, plus a few personal notes. The Sigma 16, 30, and 56mm F1.4 DC DG, or DN Contemporary can be ordered at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. 
Uh, for the video summary, with Tamron X-Mount, Viltrox, Dakina, Samyang, and now Sigma, we start to have a lot more third-party autofocus lenses for the X-Mount. Sigma X-Mount, nice metal construction and build quality, simple and handsome design. Sealed against some elements, rubber seal around the lens mount so they can handle a little bit of rainwater. The Fujifilm WR lenses are more comprehensively sealed. They're quite light and compact. The downside, no controls on the lens itself. No aperture ring, no AF-MF selector switch, no custom buttons. The Sigma lenses are out for a while and available, to, uh, available on other mounts. They still test pre-production lenses, so autofocus is not final. These are all highlights from the video. Comparison, the Sigma 16mm uh, to the Fujinon XF 16mm f1.4 RWR. At 1.4, sharpness is very similar with a slight advantage for the Sigma in the center and also in the corners. The 30mm was compared to the XF33 f1.4 RLMWR. At 1.4, the Fujifilm is a bit sharper and more consistent across the board, especially in the corners. The Fujinon XF 33mm has a new design. It is very good optically. For the Sigma 56mm versus the Fujinon 56 1.2R, at f1.4, they look exactly the same as far as image sharpness and quality. The better pick is, well, price is a big part of the selling feature for the Sigma as they cost less than half the price of the Fujinon lenses. The XF 33mm f1.4 is optically better, but yet it's a big price jump over the Sigma 30mm f1.4. The Fujinon XF 56 is a 1.2 lens, so he feels you can do something substantially more significant for the price difference over the Sigma at a 1.4. As for the 16mm, it's a no-brainer, and Chris can't see why not to go with the Sigma. Uh, admin note, the Fujinon XF16 1.4 is much smaller than the Sigma, so if that matters for you, this could be the reason to get the Fujinon anyway. For conclusions, the Sigma lenses make a lot of sense for those who just start out with Fujifilm and want to buy some affordable, nice, and compact prime lenses. But it would make more sense to release lenses that Fuji doesn't cover well, like Tamron did with the 18-300. Sigma announced their 18-50 f2.8 for the x-mount and that's also a move in the right direction lots of people want super telephoto zooms that fujifilm does not cover very well although they do have the xf 150 to 600 on the roadmap for sigma it is easy to take existing lenses and just switch out the mount value for the dollar the sigma contemporary lenses are excellent now, from Fuji Rumors notes, according to our rumors, Fujifilm will launch the Fujinon XF 56mm f1.2 RWR in 2022, which will, without a doubt, push image quality even further and make it not only a faster option over the Sigma, but it also gives it a sensible image quality advantage. What we can say overall is that the older Fujinon lenses hold up well against the Sigma. But if you care about the best possible image quality, you should get Fuji's newest 1.4s or the XF56 F1.2 Mark II coming later this year, if the world still exists by then. In relation to what was said above, Fujifilm will release a 40 megapixel Fujifilm X-H2, the newest F1.4 Fuji Primes, can support that high resolution, and so will the 56 Mark II. So I recommend to everybody who plans to upgrade to the high-resolution XH2 to buy the latest Fujifilm Primes, as it remains uncertain if the Sigma versions can support such a high resolution. Probably not. Be noted that Fujifilm will also release a 26-megapixel Fujifilm X-H2. If you plan to get that one, the Sigma mount lenses are an excellent option. You can order all of these lenses at VH Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. The 18 to 50 is expected to be coming in December of 2022 and can be ordered from the same retailers. So, a lot of interesting information uh, from the guys at DP Review TV on those new Sigma X Mount Prime lenses. Next up, Sigma 18 to 50 millimeter F2 DC DN mirrorless APS-C lens patent found. A new patent for this lens has been found, basically a faster version of the current Sigma 18 to 50 millimeter F2.8 DC DN, which will come out for Fujifilm X-Mount in December. 
Uh, Azabinet, who spotted the patent, says, and this is Google translated, quote, looking at the lens configuration, it is very similar to the 18 to 52.8, not a 100% match. Perhaps F2 zoom was one of the options during the examination stage of practical use lenses. However, now that F2.8 zoom has appeared, it seems unlikely that F2 zoom will see the light of day. I love the size and price of the current 18-50 f2.8, but an f2 version would be a nice addition as well. Summary, the public number is P20220388. Name of invention, large aperture zoom lens. Uh, application date is 2020-0827. Application identification number is 0001313226. Uh, name is Sigma Corporation Issue. We provide a small, large aperture zoom lens that is suitable for digital cameras and video with good aberration correction and can be used for quick focus operation. This invention is based on a positive lead zoom lens for the above challenges suitable for digital cameras and video with good aberration correction and quick focus movement. A small, large aperture, the purpose is to provide a lens. Example 1, focal length 18.50 to 48.50, F value of 1.94 to 2.10, angle of view is 77.86 to 31.58 degrees, uh, statute height of 14.20, and a total length of 115.36 to 137.89. So interesting to see that patent, uh, though, like you said, it's highly doubtful they'll go from a 2.8 to a 2, but... We'll have to wait and see. Maybe they'll surprise us all. Next up, documenting the war in Ukraine with Fujifilm X and GFX gear. Eric Bouvet, uh, Fujifilm X photographer Eric Bouvet, is also a war photographer who has been to Ukraine already a few times. For example, to photograph the heroes from Maidan and, to, and other war zones such as in Iraq. Now he is back in... Uh, Kiev to document the war unfolding in Ukraine. So if you want to see what is happening in Ukraine, also through the eyes of Eric Bouvet with his Fujifilm GFX, make sure to follow him on Instagram. Ron Habib, also on the field with his Fujifilm X-T4, is Ron Habib. Over at his Instagram, he is sharing powerful, touching, and dramatic images that show who really loses in wars, the civil and innocent people who just want to live their lives in peace. Be aware that these are strong images coming from a war zone. I guess at this point, I should say something about the fact that people use X and even GFX gear to photograph the war, proving you can do well documenting uh, documentary-style photojournalism with Fujifilm gear, even though many on forums and YouTube say that it's impossible. But I am not in the mood for any further comment on that. All that matters is that there are some incredibly courageous photographers out there documenting what is happening, no matter which gear they use, because what we need these days is more information, not less. So definitely interesting to see that there are war correspondents in that region using X and GFX gear to document everything that's going on. Next up, TT Artisan Titanium Gray Fujifilm X-Mount Lenses announced. TT Artisan has launched a special titanium gray edition of the following lenses, the 17mm 35, both 1.4, and the 50mm f1.2. You can check out all the details at the TT Artisan store, which you can find in the link in the article in the show notes for this episode. Next up, Voigtlander Nocton 23mm f1.2 X announcement in March and shipping in April. According to rumors found and shared at Japanese websites uh, such as Absibinet and Digicam Info, the Voigtlander Nocton 23mm f1.2 for Fujifilm X mount will be announced later this month and ship in April. We can be sure that the original source of this leak is Nokashita, who is all but gone. This will be Cosina's second Fujifilm X-mount lens with electronic contacts after the Voigtlander Nocton 35mm f1.2X. Uh, the lens can be ordered, the 35mm can be ordered at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama, and you can also find them at the Voigtlander store. So interesting, the Voigtlander is coming out with yet another X-mount lens. Exciting news for everybody. 
And last from Fuji rumors for this week, Tokina to increase price on Fujifilm X-Mount autofocus lenses starting April 8th. Given the times we live in, I can't say this is surprising. Tokina has announced it will increase price on its products on April 8th. Affected products include also the Tokina uh, Fujifilm X-Mount autofocus lenses. As you can see below, price will increase by 12 to 14%. I have no rumor about it, but I would not be surprised if Fujifilm itself would be forced to raise prices too in future on some of its products. These lenses can be ordered at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. And like I said before, it's not surprising because a lot of the lens manufacturers are increasing their prices, as are the camera makers themselves, because of the fact that we have all the logistics and supply chain issues, the global shortage of semiconductors. They got to make money somehow, folks. So it's not all that shocking that since they can't produce more larger quantities of lenses, they're going to raise the price on the ones they are able to produce to kind of balance things out. Makes a lot of sense. All right, now we're going to head on over to Sony Alpha Rumors to wrap up this week. First up, Yang New 50mm f1.8 FE lens tested at Sony Alpha Blog, quote, very good AF and excellent sharpness. You can order this lens for $318 at B&H Photo. It's not available yet, but you can pre-order it now at Amazon US as well, Amazon DE, Amazon Italy, Amazon UK, Amazon France. The Sony Alpha blog conclusion is, quote, the Yang New 50mm f1.8 SDF DSM is a little gem. Low price, very good ergonomics, very good AF and excellent sharpness, wide open on a 61 megapixel and excellent as of f2.8, very good background blur and color rendering. Very good bokeh balls, wide open, lovely rendering for portraits. The main drawbacks are bokeh balls shape as of f2.8, build quality okay, but not excellent. Focus breathing important in video. For pure video work, the Viltrox 50mm f1.8 with its clickless aperture ring and low focus breathing would be recommended. If budget is not an issue, then the Samyang 50mm f1.4 AF2 will provide a bit better performance globally. And this lens is highly recommended, though, because it is an excellent value lens for the price. At $318, that's nothing to sneeze at. Next up, watch the Sony A1 complete disassembly and teardown. Color Visions disassembled the Sony Alpha 1 and concluded, quote, the A1 may look identical to its predecessors, but there is a lot of little changes inside and out that make this a very impressive camera. It's clear from their report that Sony improved many aspects of the camera, and this is a big step forward in terms of construction. I expect the same advancements to be seen on the future A7R5 and the A9 III. Uh, you can order the Sony A1 at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera, Photo Earnhardt DE, Calumet DE, Photocotch DE, Park UK, and Wex UK. P.S. The Sony A1 is really well built, as we have seen from this Olympic video. And you can watch that accompanying video on YouTube. Check it out for yourself. Next up, this Rover Electric Stabilizer Cinema Dolly collected nearly half a million dollars on Kickstarter. This can be used with your Sony E-mount cameras as well. All details can be found on their Kickstarter page, the accompanying link, as well as you can watch their official YouTube videos on this as well. Next up, Wild Rumors Roundup, another 100 megapixel rumor, A93, no more teleprimes this year, 28mm f1.4 GM. About those rumors, I have no idea who sent them, and 90% of the time they turn out to be wrong. But it happened in the past that a couple of those were right. So I will post them today and we can all together eventually keep track of the, all this data. If one of the sources turns out to be right, then we will know we can trust it a bit more. Source one, quote, high res camera, 95 megapixels this year. More to come soon. Don't expect big video specs. Source two, quote, the Sony 200 millimeter F2.8 GM and the 200 millimeter F2.8 G won't be produced. 
Source 3, Sony will make a 28mm f1.4 GM lens. Source 4, not sure this info is about A93. Someone is going to sell a full-frame camera with a 20 to 24 megapixel sensor. The readout is 1 millisecond for 12-bit and 2 milliseconds for 14-bit stills. So some interesting articles there. Uh, but like I said before in previous episodes, keep in mind that so, uh, F- Sony Alpha Rumors hit rate is really low at only like 5 to 10%. So take these rumors with a grain of salt, as always. Next up, rumors Sony might announce a new lens on March 22nd. On October 21, Sony announced the latest E-mount product, the new a 74 Now, nearly five months after that, we might finally get something new. One usually reliable source told me that, quote, the first release of a new Sony product in 2022 will be announced on March 22nd. This is coming from one reliable source only, so don't take it 100% solid rumor. I hope other sources can soon send me confirmation via anonymous box or via email. Update, I got confirmation there is a new lens announcement. From what I gathered, this should be a new lens and not about a new camera. Like I told you before, the ZV-style camera, the A7R5, and later the A93 will be on market the second half of the year only. I am trying now to get the specs of the new lenses that could be announced on March 22nd. So, interesting. Looks like Sony might have something new coming out this coming week. Uh, confirmed, Sony will announce a new ultra-wide E-mount zoom lens on March 22nd. Three reliable sources have now confirmed Sony will announce a new ultra-wide E-mount zoom lens on March 22nd. So there you have it. It's been supposedly confirmed by three reliable sources. And I do apologize, March 22nd is not this coming week. It is a week from this coming week. So I got a little bit ahead of myself, so I apologize to my listeners. All right, that wraps up all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpenn.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 232 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. Also, want to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, comment on them, like them, share them out on social media, and hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. Now, I did want to briefly, before I sign off, apologize to my listeners if you heard some additional background noise. About halfway through this recording, it started raining like you would not believe, cats and dogs, and I could hear the rain noise outside in my headset as uh, as I was recording this episode. So I apologize if you hear any of that. I'm going to do my best to try to filter it out. I'll run the recording through a couple of different processing software to see if I can clean it up. But if not, and you do hear it, I wanted to apologize once again. All right. I want to thank everybody for listening. I will see you all again on Thursday. <laughs>